Hey, Heart of the City Church family, it is so good to be with you this morning. And all of our new friends online, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Oh, such a privilege for me to get to speak this weekend. Such an important subject of motherhood. How many of you are thankful for not only natural mothers in your life, but the spiritual mamas in your house that just nurture and build? Come on. It's just in a woman. It's just in a daughter to build. And I think about how important that is, just the identity that we have of being a woman, of being a mother, and really where that comes from. In fact, while I was just preparing for this message, I was thinking about just kind of my family of origins and my, and my past and my upbringing and what really was the formation of my identity. And I was thinking about, um, I grew up Catholic, and so I was in church quite a bit. I went to parochial school, and I remember I would sit on these um, benches. I think they're called pews, hard wooden benches. You guys are so fortunate to get to sit in these cushion chairs. So I'm sitting, you know, and mind you, I'm like five, six, seven, and I'm sitting on these hard pews, and I'm listening to the priest tell me, really for the first time, who God was. And so I'm listening to him. He's saying, you know, God is powerful, and he can help you. And the priest is talking about Jesus. And listen, he's your very present help in time of trouble. And so I'm listening to the priest, and I'm sitting on this pew, and I'm looking up at a large wooden cross, same type of wood used in the pew. And this man that he's talking about is on that cross, head bowed, nails in his hands, bleeding, and in my child's mind, I'm thinking, how is he going to be my very present help in time of trouble? He looks like he needs my help. And something began to form in me, my identity and my perception of who I was, who he was, and this whole idea of love was forming in me. He doesn't look like he can help me. And the same thing was kind of happening in my home. My dad was struggling with alcohol. My mom was struggling with my dad struggling with alcohol. We were all struggling with my dad struggling with alcohol. And I was thinking, they can't help me. And he can't help me. And something in me started forming this identity of, girl, you're in this alone. You're going to have to take care of yourself here. The people around you, they don't have it together. What you're hearing is not true. And really, I began to grow up that way, chip on my shoulder, tough girl kind of attitude. I got this. I don't need you. I don't need you. I got this. I'm going to take care of myself. Until at 19, I moved away. I grew up in central Idaho, and I moved to California. And I got invited to what we would call here at Heart of the City Church a city group. It was called Church in the Home back then, and I got invited. I'm in this room with these people. They're all around my age, maybe 30, 40 people in this room, and I'm seeing church in a different light for the first time. I'm seeing all these people interacting with each other. They're excited to be together, and I'm hearing something different, too. I'm hearing that Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's not on the cross. He is my very present help in time of trouble, and these people are praying out loud. They're singing out loud. They're raising their hands, things I had never seen before. It was a community shared experience about a truly alive God, and two things were going through my heart at that time. I was interested and I was offended. 
because I'd been raised in the church and I'd never heard these things. Is this true? Is what you're telling me true? This is not what I have seen. And so the city group leader afterwards, super smart for all you city group leaders, I highly recommend you use this technique. He drew me aside, the city group leader, who actually became my brother-in-law, Jonathan's brother, Daniel. And he just starts answering my questions and really pulling things out of me, like, what's going through your heart? What's going through your mind? And at the end of it, he said, such a beautiful thing, a beautiful question. He said, Radine, it sounds like you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I hadn't really thought about that. I was offended. I'm asking questions. I want to be my tough girl. And yet that question was exactly what was going through my heart. Yes, I do. I want to believe. And so I received Jesus that night. And I thought I was just saying some simple words. And yet I began to see that confession play out in my life. I was not alone. And neither are you. And so I see, too, in our culture today, just like my wrestling growing up, I'm wrestling with my identity, I'm wrestling, do people really love me, does God really love me? And I see that same wrestle and war in our culture today. The two main wrestles and wars are identity and love. Like, you don't have to specifically be one, anybody one person, and you can define love however you want. And it's really such a war. I see, like, really... Nice people, like girlfriends I'd want to go to coffee with, preaching this message at podcasts, best-selling books that people are gobbling up that are saying that your identity doesn't matter, and you can define love however you want. And it sounds really, really good on the ears, and, but it's really, really bad on your heart because it's unbiblical and it's not true. Your identity matters. The security of who you are matters. And the definition of love, I love the definition of love. This just kept, one of the beautiful things about reading the word of God is it just kind of rings in your heart at all times. And I'm meditating on this wrestle and war that I see on identity and love. And this scripture rings on my heart. Second John 1, this is love, that we follow his commandments because they're safe. They're true. They're for you. The word of God is for you. And as I was thinking about this and this wrestle and this war of identity and love, I was so intrigued by a woman in the Bible. And I just love to study out the scriptures of women in the Bible. And seriously, people, I, props to you if you can read five chapters a day. I can barely get through two sentences, and I'm like, whoa, something is going on here that I need to study more of. And so this woman I was intrigued with in this specific area of identity and love, her name is Axaw, and you can find her. And if you'll turn with me real quick to Joshua 15, we're going to look at the life of Axaw. And there's only three sentences about her, just three. But I'm like, you know what? There's more to this girl's story. And I think there's more to your story too. And I hope as we study out this woman today that you would see Axaw in your own life. And the struggle and the war and the wrestle that she went through is the same one that you go through too. And yet she comes to this beautiful conclusion, which God wants us to come to also, that you are not alone, that he is for you, that he's made you a specific way, and he loves you so much. So let's crack open in the word of God and let's look at Joshua 15. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for every listening ear, and not only listening ear, that's, that's not all we need to be doing, but listening hearts. Father, because you weaved us in our mother's wombs to be able to receive the truth. And God, I pray today that each person in earshot would receive the truth of who you are, of who they are, 
and of your word, God, that really builds and moves and lives in our life. Something trustworthy, God, that we can lay our whole lives onto because the word is you. And God is, when we take moments where we're taking things out of the word, we're actually biting off pieces of your body. And God, we pray for the wholeness of your word this morning, God. And we just love you, God, and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua 15. Oh, I just love this girl. Um, so we first learned about, learn about Axon in Joshua 15 and verse 16. And it says, And Caleb said, I will give you my daughter Axon as a wife to the one who strikes down and captures Curious Sephir. So we first learn about Axon. What do we know about her? She's Caleb's daughter. And she's fixing to get be given in marriage for some land, which is a little sketchy to me, but that's the way it went back then. And so there's another little sketchy part is that this guy that goes and captures Curious Sephir in the Negev, his name is Othniel, and he is Caleb's brother's son, which would make him Axel's cousin. But we're dealing with after the flood, they're still rebuilding the population. Come on. I just want to say for the record, it is not okay to marry your cousin. So Axel's marrying Othniel, right? And this is the first we hear about she's being given in marriage. And then the very next thing we learn about Axel, I think is so telling in verse 18, is it says, when she, that's Axel, when she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. Oh, was I intrigued with this. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean she persuaded? I'm so taken by that word persuaded. I mean, that's not just asking. That's like asking over and over and over. And I know something about this. One of my children, I won't say who, was very persuasive when she was young. I gave it away. Persuasion means you ask and you ask and you ask until you get a yes. And so Axaw is persuading Othniel to ask her father for land. And I'm like, why does she have to persuade him? Why doesn't she just say, bro, ask my dad for land? She has to persuade him because in that era, in that culture, women weren't given land when they got married. Sons were given land. Daughters, well, daughters were given with a bride price. That's what it was called. And during that cultural time, the bride price was 50 shekels, which equals about 20 bucks, girls. That was the bride price. So for her, now I get it. Now I know why Axa is having to persuade Othniel to ask her father for land. Because, girl, we don't do that around here. And she's still like, yes. And she says, yes, and yes. And by the way, that turns into a beautiful attribute, that, pers- that persuasive personality, right, Topher? And so, <laughs> and so she persuades and she persuades Othniel. And I'm thinking, who is this girl? That she is breaking out of cultural norms. She's not going with peer pressure. She's not being a good girl and staying in her place and doing what she's supposed to. She is confident and boldly asking her husband to ask for land. And I started to think, man, this girl must have just been raised in the best home. Just nurturing and encouraging. And she's so used to asking for whatever she wants and getting that. And as I began to study commentaries about the life of Axaw, that was absolutely not the case. And so I was, uh, there's a cross-reference of Axaw in uh, Judges 1, but also specifically in 1 Chronicles 2, it begins to list about Axaw's family. And it says that Axaw was the daughter of Maacah, who was Caleb's concubine. Uh-huh. So... 
Axa isn't even part of Caleb's legitimate legal family. A concubine is girls on the side, kids on the side, right? And so Axa is from that family. And uh, what's interesting is that in that cultural time, that the sons of concubines were considered legitimate, but the daughters of concubines were considered illegitimate. And that's going to hit people different ways, the word illegitimate. You know how it hits me? Ouch. That stings. I was born illegitimate. And there is a stigma that comes with that of like, do I even belong anywhere? Am I a real person? Do I count for something? The definition of illegitimacy is not legally bound. A husband or or a man and a woman not legally married. And so it kind of leaves you in this zone of like, who am I? And who do I belong to? And so my heart went out to Axel. This is what she was raised up into. Illegitimate, daughter of a concubine, doesn't measure up to much. And I'm thinking, man, that is crazy awesome that she was still able to walk in that boldness and confidence to ask for that with that going on. And there was a little bit more than that going on as well. In First Chronicles 2, I told you Aksa's mom's name is Maekah. And I looked up the meaning of the, of the name Maekah. It was important the, when people were named back then. It was either like a prophetic word about who they were or tendencies that they had or tendencies that came from their household. And Maekah means depression. Wow, can you give a sister a break? Illegitimate, mom struggling with depression. And so my thought that, man, this girl, she must have been raised in this encouraging, nurturing home, and that's why she's getting all this boldness and confidence, it is totally out the window. This girl was, like, raised in struggle bus. Like, this was a not a, 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 a good situation for Axel to be raised in. And so it's just incredible to me that she would have the boldness to ask for that. What is going on in this girl's heart? But at the end of 1 Chronicles 2, there was something interesting that gave me a little hint that she was just a little different than everybody else born in her household. It lists Maekah as her mom in 1 Chronicles 2, and then it lists four different siblings she had. So it said Maekah is the mother of da-da-da-da-da, four siblings. And then an entirely different sentence, it says that an Aksah is the daughter of Caleb. That's so interesting. Why is she set apart? Why was she? And in that moment, I was thinking, man, there is something about her identity. It's wrapped up in her destiny. There's something about her identity. It's wrapped up in this crazy authority that she's walking in, right? It's like there is something different about her. And so this gave me a little hint of where she was getting her boldness and confidence, that this girl was somehow set apart. And if we continue to go on in verse 18... In the second part, so she's persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. And then it just says, one sentence, it says, as she got off her donkey, as she got off her donkey, and if you look at the Hebrew words, get off her donkey, this is not a simple dismount off the donkey. The original Hebrew words have more of the connotation that she leapt off her donkey, that she, uh, one of the translations said she threw herself off. Her, I love this girl's personality. <laughs> she is persuasive. She is excited. And she is throwing herself off her donkey. 
right? Which I think is so beautiful because when you look up the meaning of the name Axon, it means bursting of the veil. It's like that girl was born and she was like, ta-da, I am here and I'm important and all the things that our moms tell us, right? You is important, you is special. This girl knew it. She was like, I'm here. And so I just want to picture this, just this moment of what may have been happening as Axa gets off her donkey. She's either just getting ready to get married or has just gotten married. So I'm thinking there's a crowd of people. The wedding party is present. And her husband's probably on another donkey, right? Othnel is sitting there and, and he's already like, what have I married here? And Axa throws herself off her donkey and I'm thinking the bridal party is like, oh my gosh, what is she going to do now? What is going on? What is going on in this moment? And just like, I hope she stays in her place. I hope she knows what she's doing. And Othniel's over here like, oh, Axa, please, we're going to lose the land we just got. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then all of that just kind of fades away. All that chaos, all that holding your breath and waiting, like what is she going to do? It all fades away. And in my mind's eye, I see Caleb and I see Axa. I, see, I just see a daddy and his daughter, and they're having this final moment before she goes off and starts her own family. And I just can imagine in my mind's eye, Caleb, so proud in that moment, saying, that's my girl. That's the way I raised you. I think Axel was a lot like her dad. Caleb, remember, is the one that went into the promised land with Joshua. They called him bold. They called him courageous. And what we see right there is Axel being her father's daughter. In that moment, everything else fades away, and we know it to be true. We know that Caleb was not disappointed and upset with her dismounting because he knows she's going to ask him for something. It says that it says that Caleb asked her, "What do you want?" Axel didn't even say a word. He knew that his daughter was going to ask him for something more. And he wanted to give it to her. And the very next thing we hear is Aksa saying, Daddy, give me a blessing. And I love that. Because it's just like the song that we sang. This is a woman, and this is such a tendency of women, when they ask for something, it's not just for themselves. This girl's thinking, I got to stand in my identity and the love that I have in this moment, not just for me but for my family and for my children and my children's children. Daddy, I want a blessing, not just for me. This is not just about me. This is about my kids and the next generation and the legacy. And I just think that's so beautiful in that moment. And the boldness of Axaw, what she says is, Dad, give me a blessing. Since you've given me land in the Negev, give me springs also. And Caleb's response is like, oh yeah, I'm going to give you the springs. I'm going to give you the upper and the lower springs. Caleb gave her more than she was asking for. And you know, really what the Bible is are word pictures and stories. It's a love letter to each one of us, God's heart towards us. This is how he feels towards you. He has more than what you're asking for. He wants you to so be secure in your identity, no matter what your upbringing. Come on, look at the things that have held us back. Shame has held us back and what other people have said about us and stigmas and cultural things that have been put on us and relational issues and health issues. All that does is try to mess with our identity and mess with the fact 
that you are deeply loved by God. None of that is true. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. God loves you. He wants to bless you. And that moment with Caleb and Axel reminds me of so many other stories in the Bible. I think about Esther. Esther was an orphan. Esther got into the palace by the hair of her chinny-chin-chin. She barely got into the palace. And she went before the king, and, and she knew. She didn't get an invitation to go before the king. She knew she could have been killed going before the king. And before a word could come out of Esther's mouth, the king said, which is so God's heart towards you today too, what do you want, Esther? Up the half to the kingdom, I'll give it to you. What do you want? What do you want? I just hear God saying that to so many people. What is it that you want? Why did you quit asking me? What happened? Why did you quit thinking that I want to give you so much more? than what you're believing for and what you're asking for. It reminds me of the woman that was caught in adultery in that moment that Jesus came. He wasn't afraid. There's rocks hurling all over the place. And he walks right into the middle of the mess. That's so like him. And he, he defended her. He protected her. He forgave her. And hear me, this is the most important part because we're way big on forgiveness and we forget about the freedom. He forgave her and then he freed her. I condemn you no more. Go and sin no more. And we think it's such an ugly word and such a, oh, I sinned, I sinned. Yeah, you did. All of us do all the time. And we can be forgiven. But the most important part of that is that we're free. He wants to set us free. Do you see it? If you still walk in that sin, if you're afraid to admit your bondage, you won't walk in the freedom. You're not going to walk in who you actually are, your identity, because it's so connected with your destiny, the purpose, the reason that you were born, your authority. Your authority that you have the right, just like Axah, to ask for a blessing, to ask for more from your Father in heaven. He wants to give it to you. And I just I feel like this message needs to get, to, get, to get deep in the hearts of people that have had all these circumstances, just like Axah, me included. I've been preaching this message to myself, that he has more than what you've been asking for. And it's not just you at stake, it's your children and your children's children. The things that you fight for today, the position you stand in, the identity of who you are and God's love is gonna be passed down as a blessing to your children and your children and their children and their children. God created you in such a unique and beautiful way. There is nothing fluid about your identity is very much intact and stable and important and full of strength. And what God has for you, the enemy tries to intimidate you, but what he has for you is so much more than you can imagine. And so he wants you to get this in your heart. You got to ask him for more. I think about this scripture in Psalm 2. This is a perfect description of the way that God wants you to ask for things. Psalm 2 says, ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. Come on, that's more. He doesn't want to ask for small things. He wants us to ask for big things. And there's so much power in our words when we speak, when we confess, and when we ask. He wants us to be advocates not only for ourselves and our family, for the people around us. And that's the message he wants all of us to be spreading is that there's so much more than what you're asking for. And I just want to take in these closing moments, and I want to pray for you. I believe that this message has gone way past just the women. 
that are listening online and the women in this room. And you've been sitting in this story with Axaw and all these excuses of why the plans for your life have not been fulfilled and why you don't deserve to ask. You don't deserve, you're this, you're illegitimate, you're don't belong, you sin, you, it's all out the door. Because what God is saying is that you are your father's daughter. You are your father's son. Romans 8 says this. All of creation is waiting with eager expectation for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. Do you see what's at stake? Do you see why there's a wrestle and a war to, to bring you into this obscurity that you're not a daughter or you're not a son, just be whatever. And this idea of the definition of love, true love is to walk in the commandments that God set for us. Because you know why? He did it for us. It's not against us. The Bible, anybody that uses the Bible against people, wrong message. This is a letter of love. These are commandments for you not against you. And I just want to pray right now in this moment for those that have got these stirrings in their heart and that God, that even in this moment that you would allow people in this room and people listening online, your story's not over. There's so much more to your story. And God, you're the God of second chances and you're the God of new mercies. And I just love that about you. God, we can have a really crappy day and we can wake up into your new mercies the next morning. We could have had a really bad decade and it doesn't matter because one day in your presence is like a thousand elsewhere. I'm thinking about the woman at the well and she walks up to the well, a woman that has been married five times and currently living with someone and she has just a small encounter with Jesus. And when she leaves there, she's so secure in her identity and the love that God has for her that she becomes one of the greatest evangelists of the New Testament. She goes back to her city where everybody judged her and this was who she was and peer pressure and all of that. And she wins them over with the gospel of Jesus. She wins over an entire village with the gospel of Jesus from one encounter with God. And Father, I thank you that you're encountering people all over this room and all over the airwaves and internet space today. And Father, they're getting down deep inside of them, their identity. God, that you formed them a certain way because it's connected with their destiny. The reason why you put breath in their lungs. And God, you, their identity is connected with the authority that you've given them. You sent your son and he did these amazing miracles on the earth and then he gave us a gift. He said, greater things will you do when I go to the Father. And so Father, I just thank you that identity is being put deep, deep, deep within people's hearts and spirits right now and even in their minds and that God, destiny is being reawakened and authority is being strengthened in your people in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to assume that even in this room here today or online, that there may be people like I was when I was 21. You're listening or you're in this room and you really don't know who God is. I mean, you thought maybe you did and we all have impressions of who God is. 
But maybe hearing my testimony, that's what's so powerful about a testimony. Revelations tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I pray that me sharing the story of how I came to Christ ministered to some of you today. And that maybe I could ask that question like my brother-in-law asked me. Hey, would you like to receive Jesus into your heart today? And maybe nobody's just worded it just that way. Like, you can have all these struggles and wrestlings and all that, but let's cut through the chase. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Because if you do, I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I just thank you for your perfect sacrifice, for sending your son to die on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I confess that you are Lord and Savior of my life. My life belongs to you now. My identity is wrapped up in who you are. I receive your perfect love right now, God, and I just receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I hope for the people that made that decision, you just made the best decision of your life. Your life's about to get really good from here. And if you did, we want to hear from you. So if you just take a moment, get on your computer, and connect with us on amen at theheartcda.com. And tell us, tell us your whole story if you want to. We want to hear it all. But tell us if you received Jesus today. We want to help walk with you. If you live in a different city or a different state, we'll get you connected with a great, healthy church. Come on, remember that impression I had of being in that city group? That this is not a dead religion. This is a very alive and active, and we need to be in fellowship with one another and in community. And if I could just leave you with one more thought as we close. I want to remind you of something. If you've been told that God is against you, that you've gone too far, that your sin is too great, I want to remind you of something. He is for you. 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 Let that get into your bones. Come on. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. you. 